0: Hello friends, this is The Messenger Podcast, where our goal is to develop messengers whose lives tell the story of the gospel. The gospel, the good news of life, can reach into every part of our everyday. So we wanna use this time to explore what that means for you and your world. Today I'm joined by pastor, author, and guinea pig
1: eater, Sean <laughs> <laughs> <Nefthead>. <laughs> Oh man, it's a pleasure to be here. Hide your man, pets,
0: people, hide your pets. This man he- eats guinea pigs. Well, I've seen you them have do to it.
1: explain, you know, we were in Peru <laughs> together and they bring out these guinea pigs and we told the waiters, no, like, I don't want to eat the guinea pig. But uh, it was so sad, too, bro. It was like, you know, like like a normal restaurant would have lobsters in there. You pick they had a guinea pig cage. People would pick out and I just could not like. So when I when I realized I, I tasted it, it tastes delicious, by the way. But then I got very nauseous and I couldn't take a second bite.
0: <laughs> well, and they were they were sitting like 15 feet away from our table too, all the live ones.
1: Oh, it was just pathetic. like just waiting, horrible.
0: waiting for little kids to come in and take them home and give them a safe place.
1: I wanted to grab, like, rescue them and just <laughs> r- release them into the wild, you know.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, that was that was amazing, and that was the first time we met in person. Yeah, that's right, that's yeah. right. And so you're you're forever in my mind now as the man who eats guinea pigs. I'm sorry. I know you have a lot of other great qualities and attributes, and hopefully we can get into some of those other ones during this conversation. But I just I had a, have you ever been introduced as the guinea pig
1: eater? This would be the first time. Yep. This okay. See,
0: time. I want wanted I wanted to be different.
1: It is on my business card, but you know, no <laughs> one reads that anymore. <laughs> no, no,
0: they don't. And I'm looking at your bio here, Sean, and I just like, I I can't do the traditional bio. So I need you to give me like the unpolished bio of who you are for our listeners who aren't familiar with you.
1: Sure. Well, I'm um,
0: not going to read this. I'm not going to read this like super polished. I mean, these are some amazing things about the church and your background and stuff. I don't know. Most of
1: them are lies anyway. So, um, (laughs) no, I'm fifth generation pastor on both sides of my family. And, um, wow, grew up in the church and, uh, we started our church when I was 24 years old. So you have to be half crazy to start church at 24 and 24. our city was in, yeah, our city was in luck. I'm three quarter crazy on my daddy's side. And we start the <laughs> church with four daughters under the age of two. You've seen like a two year old, a one year old and twins were zero. You've seen a double stroller. We had a triple stroller and one on a leash. <laughs> And so we we start the church, and we start feeling like, you know, it's kind of insinuated. You just preach real hard, have great worship, and the church will grow. Well, it wasn't working for us. We grew the church to about 300, which is a great size church. And then it just plateaued, and we had zero growth for seven years. And it's not that 300 is a bad number. It's just that we had so much more in our heart to do. Like, what do you do— when the dream inside of you is not matching the reality that's in front of you, yeah. you become fr- frustrated and frustration never stays put. It always slips into despair. And that's that's a dangerous place to be. That's a, That's where we are as a nation. That's where we are as a world right now. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I tried to get the publisher to push the book launch date. I said, I don't want to launch a book in covid. This is ridiculous. And they said it has to come out now. Because the title of the book "Don't Quit in the Dip" is prophetic, really. I mean, we're in a worldwide dip. Some people yes, feel like are. they're in a seven. Some people feel like they're in a seven-layer dip. You know, they just have one thing after another after another, and they're struggling with their marriage. I've uh, I've heard more stories of marriages on the rocks. I've heard more stories of yeah. crisis lines. Uh, there, you know, the call centers are up three hundred percent. Depression, depression, medicine worry, anxiety, loneliness. Like, who do you know right now that's not in a dip? And so this book really is our story of what we did to get out of the dip, Like God's given me some keys to help people get out. And I don't feel, I feel like there couldn't have been a better time to release it. So we start a prayer meeting. You know, what do you do when you don't know what to do? We pray and seven years, zero growth at our church. Um many people didn't know this, but I had a battle with my health and I dropped down to 125 pounds, struggled with ulcerative colitis. And wow. then on top on top of that, uh we're portable, you know, we're we're setting up tearing down. We don't have a church location, several closed doors, uh, several problems with my health, the church isn't growing. Um and I wanted to quit. I mean i and for those listening, I think that you're going to resonate with this because I've talked to more people who are ready to bail, who are ready to quit in this season than ever before. And it's scary, Addison, because it's 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 like quitting doesn't just seem reasonable. It seems like your only option. It it's that rational. moment.
0: <laughs> That's it. Exactly. Thank
1: you. Exactly. That's it. It seemed it seems like, yeah, it just makes sense to quit. Let's throw in the towel. And through this book, I want to reawaken motivation for everybody who wants to throw in the towel. We started prayer meeting. And, uh, you know, I I wish I could say it was super anointed. It was me and eight people. Six were my family. You know, they had to be there. (laughs) (laughs) And we just banked on Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me. God said, I'll answer. And I'll show you wonderful and marvelous things. And I was literally... One day I had just finished preaching faith on the weekend and Tuesday I was under my desk folded up like origami and I was crying out. To, I was praying. Nobody saw me. I'm crying out to God and, and I could barely even squeak out the words. I'm done. It's all I, I'm, I've had it. I can't do this anymore. And that's when we felt to start the prayer meeting. You know, it's, it's interesting because at some point you're hopeful And then other moments, you start talking yourself out of believing God for more. And I I wish I could say it happened overnight. It didn't. But I told the Lord, I'm not seeing this wonderful and marvelous stuff you promised in Jeremiah 33. I'm seeing mediocre at best. And we start the prayer meeting. God began to grow the church. And over the next seven years, we had seven years of famine and then seven years of feasting. It grew up to reach thousands and thousands of people on a weekend. And, you know, it it blows my mind. And here's my thought. All the marriages that were healed, all the people that were saved, all the people's lives that were changed, where would they be had I quit in the dip a decade ago? So.
0: Did you have that perspective, that perspective that was bigger than you when you found yourself wanting to quit? Like, were you able to tap into what could be in that moment?
1: Barely. I, I don't think I could tap into what could be. I was just trying not to let the three hundred faces down because I kept seeing their faces, and I thought, "Man, where are they going to go? These these people have lives and families. They need Jesus. They need the church." And so, I I mean, for that, and going back to the moment of your calling, you know, if you don't have a calling, if you don't know what your calling is, you'll you'll quit when times get hard. But but you need to go back to the the moment. Of when you were called and believe that there still is more you know our four daughters when they were young they never knew what the ice cream truck was and in America there's this little truck that drives around it plays a silly song it sells ice cream and it was so funny because I told them it was the music truck they thought Addison I'm not lying bro for 3 for 3 solid years they thought the sole purpose of the music truck was to drive around neighborhoods just to spread cheer oh. to kids and bring uh, you know happiness to families and it was gross. great and then all that changed when i picked them up from grandma's house you know where this is going those grandparents, my, my they
0: do it, don't they? Uh, they ruin them.
1: My wife's mom. My, my, my mother because of the law. <laughs> I pick them up and my daughters come running out. At this time, there might be age, I don't know, five, four, and twins are three. And my eldest daughter, Hadassah, she comes running out. She says, Dad, eyes wide as saucers, And she says, guess what? I said, what is it, baby? She said, the music truck has ice cream, too. <laughs> And in that moment, Grandma ruined everything. They were no longer satisfied with just, you know, smiling and waving and dancing at the music truck. They knew now there's more. And I bring that up because in life, there's a lot of people who don't know that there's more. You're going through life empty, frustrated, lonely, without purpose. And you're, many of you are settling for music truck theology. I just want to let you know there's more available you know and here's the problem a lot of things in life promise more but there's actually only one who can deliver more and that is Jesus it's the John 10:10 10, 10 life so we we started seeing some progression we started climbing out of the dip slowly but then we begin to realize like in the book i take people through a progression of identifying the dip what are you in right now could be a battle with your health your weight your marriage loneliness depression and then identify the dip and then what are you trying What is God trying to teach you in the dip? And then what do you need to leave behind in the dip? And then what's on the other side of the dip? I bring that up because many people are not learning what God wants to teach them in the dip. And we have this thing in college. It says a little phrase. It says, C's get degrees. And what students are basically saying is, I don't care about learning the curriculum. I just want to do the bare minimum to get by just so I can graduate and be promoted. Well, that might work okay with college. It does not work okay with God. We think in terms of like testing and trials, we think in terms of length. God's not interested in the terms of length. He's interested in your retention and lessons learned. So death. it's not about just... He's all about death. Exactly. It's not a penance for sake, but he's trying to teach you yeah. something. So James, the half-brother of Jesus writes, the 12 tribes scatter abroad, and they're in quarantine. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no DoorDash. You know, they're... They're, they're Because of severe persecution, they're hiding for their lives. And James writes an email and says, hey, guys, consider it all joy when you go through various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces something, produces patience or perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so you can be mature and complete and lacking nothing. I wonder how many people never make it to where God wants them to go because they don't let God finish his work. And in that moment, you realize that the test is not some perfunctory season. It's actually developing you for something greater that you're not prepared for right now. We all want maturity. We all want to be complete. We all want to lack nothing God has for us, but we don't want to test. And it doesn't come that way. And, And here's the thing. If you don't learn what God's trying to teach you, It's kind of like the school system, you know, the public school system. If you don't if you don't learn what you're supposed to learn, they're so gracious. They'll let you take the entire grade over again. (laughs) I bet there's some of my daughter's
0: doing kindergarten again this year.
1: (laughs) It's going to be the best.
0: And that's what she came home the other day. She's like, I'm the tallest kid in my class. She was so excited about that. Like she has, (laughs) she has no idea why that's the case. She's like, I'm the
1: tallest in my class. I love it. (laughs) She's going to dominate recess. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I love that. But I've had some things in my life like that, where I've, you know, you begin to question, why am I going around this mountain again? And people will change churches, change marriages, change jobs, change neighborhoods. And they find that the same test, the same issue follows them. Could it be there's a common denominator and it's them? And God is going to, he's just saying, you haven't learned the lesson yet. You got to repeat it. Because God is more dedicated to your success than we are, you know? So he is. I I also think this, I think people are looking in the wrong places for answers. You know, I know none of your listeners have ever cheated on a test before. Uh, In high school, I cheated on a couple of tests, I'll be honest, and I'm not proud of that. But when I tried to cheat, I never cheated off the kid who was flunking out of the class. (laughs) I always tried to find the smart kid and the smart kids would never let me cheat. They would look at me and say, you know, you should have done your homework, you know. Right. And um, and I'm like, wait, you should be nice. But anyway, I never even if the guy who was flunking out of the class allowed me to look at his paper, I didn't. (laughs) i thought to myself nah that's okay i think i'll just guess you know i'm better off guessing than copying off of someone who's flunking out and here's the point you can't find the right answers in the wrong places many people are searching for hope healing purpose forgiveness eternal life but they're looking in the wrong places and why would we copy off the devil's paper he's already flunked out you know why don't we turn it's an open book test by the way the word of god gives us the questions and the answers and and he wants you to come out of the dip he doesn't want you to stay there because your destiny is on the other side of the dip
0: i love that and i love that you mentioned james one that's one of my favorite passages and when we read words like various it almost seems cruel like god why can't it just be one kind of trial why does it have to be various trials but right. there's, there's something so beautiful in the Greek there. The word teleos is the word that's used for full effect and perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's this, it's this perfection that only comes through a process. That's the only yeah. way you realize that kind of perfection. And it's a perfection that is created in a relational orientation. And so what God is saying is saying, because I love you, because I care for you, I'm not just going to send you into a dip. I'm going to journey with you through the dip. Talk about how wow. you experienced that when you were in your dip, the presence of God. What was that like for you?
1: The Bible says that, he, that he's close to the brokenhearted. And sometimes in the dip, you'll have the sweetest moments in his presence. And leadership is never learned on the mountaintop. You know that it's learned in the dip. It's learned. And there's a process for everything. I would just say embrace the process. Um, we, we, there's a process for making great coffee. Glory to God. There's a process for making a sweet meal. There's a process for 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 cutting the grass or working out. We understand that when it comes to everything in life. But then when it comes to this area of our life, we shake our fist at God and we question, where are you? Do you even know where I am? Yeah. And I just want to remind everybody he's still here. He's not just God of the mountain, he's God in the valley. He's not just God in good days, he's God in bad days. He's not just God of twenty nineteen, he's God of twenty twenty. And he said, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. And the two questions I would recommend you ask in the dip is number one, God, what are you trying to teach me? And number two, help me to learn fast. (laughs) My wife is a classically trained opera singer. And I took her to Phantom of the Opera. And she, I I said, I'm gonna take you to the opera. She said, it's actually a musical, it's not an opera. And I said, well, they should take that out of the name then because that's confusing. (laughs) (laughs) We sit there for an hour, Addison, and it's a beautiful musical. It's amazing. The curtains close about an hour in, and I say to myself and her, that's a weird place to end. And she says, oh, Sean, it's just intermission. Okay, okay, thank you. So we get up, and we go to the lobby, and we stuff our face with popcorn and soda for the next 20 minutes. Come back in. Nothing has changed. The curtains are still closed. We've been out there for 20 minutes. Nothing's changed. When the curtains opened, (laughs) everything changed. I had no idea that there was an entirely different crew working behind the scenes. And when that curtain opened up, it was a new set, new costumes, new character. Everything had changed, even though I didn't see it. I would love to encourage everybody in this book that just because you don't see God moving does not mean he's not working. He is working Mm -hmm. behind the scenes. And I want to encourage you, do not confuse your intermission with your finale. I know the dip feels like you're stuck. I know it feels like there's despair of life and you're thinking there's no way I'll ever make it out of this. Listen, listen, listen. You are not alone. All of God's finest men and women knew what it was like to go through a test, go through a trial, a season of preparation. You have Moses, who went through the desert. You have Daniel and the lion's den. You have the three Hebrew boys. You have Esther, who, with a quiver in her lip and a hesitation in her step, had to step into leadership to save her entire nation. And Joseph and Peter and Paul, even Jesus. If all of God's greatest men and women of of God, who were used to do the greatest things, had to go through a season of preparation, what makes us think that we get to bypass the very thing that is preparing Mm. us for greatness? Romans 8 says, Mm. and we know. There's another chapter in the book called The Secret of Knowing, because apparently Paul assumes that we know some of this stuff, and many of us don't. And we know That God causes, makes all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's working behind the scenes, even though you can't see it right now.
0: So for the person out there who hears this, Sean, and they're like, look, I want to believe that it's just an intermission, that this Mm -hmm. isn't the finale. I want to believe that what you're saying is true. How do I make practical shifts in my day to day that help me? Make this perspective mine instead of just hearing and being like, man, that would be great. I want to view my life like that. I want to view God like that. What are some of the things that you did that
1: took these ideas from your head to your heart? Well, uh, several things. One, you need to pray. And we started the prayer meeting and and it took me seven years. To it's just you that and out. your
0: family. That's it. Just oh, you and goodness. your family.
1: <laughs> I felt like an idiot. I'm like, hey, guys, seven years in, I'm pastoring. Hey, maybe we should pray. <laughs> Why did it take me so long to do that? But I mean, uh, really. To, and y- if you can talk, you can pray. So many people are worried yeah. about prayer, and they they even say this to me, Addison. They'll say, "Oh, I'm I don't I don't I'm not a good prayer. I'm like, "What does now, that what even is that mean, word,
0: Prayer prayer-er? Yeah, prayer. What, what is that word?
1: <laughs> I'm not sure. In the Greek, it's I don't know, <laughs> but I feel like I feel like here's why people don't pray. There's performance anxiety. Yeah, you're trying to sound like somebody else. Don't do that. Just talk to God. Honest prayer. And then um, from there, you need to get surrounded with some people who can help you. You need a small group of people who can encourage you in the dip. That's why small groups are so important, you know, and a great Bible-believing church in this season. Many many people have given up on attending church, watching church, and they're slipping into the dip. Everybody has an idea of success. Everybody has a God dream. And there's a dip right before you get there. And most people quit in the dip. Successful Mm -hmm. people are not those who are exempt from a dip. They just didn't quit. And a lot of times, you know, people Mm -hmm. will come to successful people and say, I want to do what you do. But they don't want to do what they did. (laughs) So uh, it's staying focused. Without vision, people perish and cast off restraint. And that's kind of where we are right now. People are giving up by the thousands that God has always had a remnant. He's always had a people who are determined, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to stay in this thing. I will see the promises of God fulfilled. And so you, you begin to ask yourself, God, what are you trying to teach me? Help me to learn fast. And then you're asking, what do I need to leave behind? There's, um, there's some, some things I struggled with, fear and anxiety and depression for the first 25 years of my life to the point where since I had an ulcer in second grade. You know, what do you have to worry about in second grade? My pop tart's taking too long at the toaster. What are you worried no. about? Ulcerated age 13 to 25, I had these severe stomach pains where I'd be doubled over for six hours at a time. And then finally when we started the church, they were happening every week. And it was just, I was going out of my mind. It checked me into the hospital. I dropped down to 125 pounds. It's worry. It's stress. It's anxiety. It's depression. It's comparison. All of these things piled up. And we had just started the church just a few months in. And people are asking, what's happening to the church? I don't know. What are you going to do? I don't know. What's ha- Who's preaching this weekend? I don't know. All I knew was my. I felt like everything was falling apart and I'm going out of my mind. And while I was there, the Lord spoke to me in that hospital room, challenged me. Let me know he's, I'm not alone, but he was trying to get my attention for a while. Isn't it funny how the Bible says in Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd. He, uh, I shall not want, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Yeah. Sometimes we have to be made to lie down. That's right. And God got my attention and reminded me of his love. And God's love drove out the fear. My daughter, Victoria, struggled with fear for years. I mean, eight years maybe. Just crying. What are you worried about? I don't know. Why are you crying? Why are you you so scared? I don't know. That's the crazy thing. You don't even know because fear is a spirit. And some people say, well, you're young. You'll grow out of it. You don't grow out of fear. You just grow older Mm. and switch fears. So my life was dominated by that. My grandma was a worrier. My dad was a worrier. I was a worrier. And my daughter, Victoria. And I never forget, you know, it breaks my heart to think about her crying on our bedside. And I was crying. And I said to her, baby, I feel like I feel like I might have given this to you. And she didn't understand. She, you know, she asked, why did you give this to me? Not like that. It wasn't like a Christmas (laughs) present, but a generational thing. And I said, we're going to. Yeah. And for everybody struggling with fear and worrying, anxiety, there's there's a, a chapter in the book called Bye Bye Fear. And I'll tell you how to break it. The Bible says in 1 John, perfect love drives out fear. Okay, listen. Um, yes, there are some things that God wants to teach you in the di- and And it's through the test. It's the trial. And how do we expect promotion if we reject God's curriculum? Lean into it. Embrace yeah. it. And then what do you need to leave behind? Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's unforgiveness. I don't know, but you and God know right now, as I said, that it's coming to your mind. The Holy Spirit's bringing it to your mind. But I begin to pray out scriptures of God's love over her, sing songs of God's love. I didn't spend all my time rebuking the devil because if that verse is true, perfect love drives out fear, you don't need to get more bold. You need to receive more of God's love. God's love is what drives out, doesn't suggest fear leaves, doesn't politely request fear to leave. It drives out fear. So for weeks, we just sang songs of God's love over her. And I'll tell you what, that spirit broke. She's 19 now, a powerhouse communicator, Oh yeah, worshiper, leader. Oh, I can't believe the difference that it took. I mean, it literally broke. And I just want to encourage somebody who's listening. You can leave some stuff behind in the dip. You have to. Because perfect love fear cannot reside where God's love lives. And you have Mm. to embrace the love of God. You are loved. You are cherished. You are honored. Mm. God loves you and has a plan. And I know it's long. You know, if if anybody had a dip, it was Joseph. He had a 13-year dip, you know, sold Mm. by his brothers, human trafficked, falsely accused, thrown in prison. All of this nonsense that took place for 13 years, forgotten. And then he's elevated to become second in command of the most powerful nation of the world. 13 years earlier, he had a dream and told his brothers that dream didn't come to pass right then. And every once in a while, tucked into the pages of the Old Testament story in Joseph, it says, trial, 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 test, test, test. And then, and the Lord was with Joseph. (laughs) I think it sounds better with a British accent. Yeah, it does. He was like, he's not alone.
0: Yeah. every once in yep. a while moments of favor day. even in the trial moments of favor even, even in, in the trial even in
1: the test yep. yep and then he's yep. elevated and then his brothers you in, know they come begging in a food. day
0: and elevated in a day a single day suddenly just yep. like
1: that he, a sudden moment man and his brothers come to buy food which god gave joseph strategy and i'm praying in this pandemic i'm praying for fresh strategies that that the Amen. Holy Spirit of God would reveal fresh strategies on how to reach people, businesses. I'm asking that. But here's what's crazy: his brothers didn't recognize Joseph. He had this Egyptian garb, he had this matte eyeliner makeup on. And when they didn't recognize him when he had the power to take revenge, he didn't. He said in Genesis 50, 20, you've heard of 2020 vision. And everybody's you kind know, of preaching 2020 vision in, in 2020. And then we got slapped in the face with the year and the pandemic. And so true. Hard. So true.
0: Here's your 2020 vision.
1: <laughs> you know, what's funny is I got glasses and I used to wear fake ones when I was 21 years old because I just I wanted to make a point, take them off and, you know, have that little that little yeah. end point to the crowd while I make that moment, that point. moment. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's been powerful. And um, I got real glasses two years ago and they said this, your prescription will change every couple of years. Okay, listen, everybody, our prescriptions changing. And what happens when you go get an eye test that you take your glasses off, you cover one eye and they ask you, can you read? Can you read what's in front of you? And you say, P M W. What is God doing right now? He's changing our prescription and asking, can you read what's in front of you? Galatians six, nine do not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. this is, you've heard of 2020 vision let me give you 50 20 vision Genesis 5020 he looked at his brothers and said you meant this for evil you tried to harm me you tried to kill me but God meant it for good and watch this he said, to save all these thousands of people's lives, where would those people be had Joseph quit in the dip? I want to encourage somebody listening. You can't quit. There are people waiting for you on the other side of your dip. Your destiny is on the other side of the dip. Don't quit in the dip.
0: Amen. I think that just needs to sit for a second. Now, I know there are a lot of people out there and we, we go through these seasons where the dips, they feel like a rejection of relationship. But but the dip is all about bringing us to the person behind the promise, because it's so easy to make an idol of the promise. And we go from season to season, promise to promise in our lives. And we find ourselves lacking when we realize, you know what, this promise wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And then we question yeah. God, we question his faithfulness, but God's saying, look, I want to bring you into the depths of relationship because through relationship, through this affirmation of relationship, you are going to find what you need to realize it's about you, but it's so much bigger than you. You will be an extension of my relational wow. love and glory to the world that I've called you to. And I want people yep. to hear that because sometimes we don't find the strength to battle for ourselves. But when we realize that God has invited us into this cosmic rescue mission. That includes our family. It includes generations. You were fighting for your daughter. When you were facing off against a spirit of fear, it wasn't just about you. It was about generations. You broke a generational pattern. Hmm. This is war. And I think in many ways we've been lulled to sleep. And we get in the dip and you look at Jesus' dip. right? You mentioned that earlier. He had just received the affirmation from the voice of God. This is my beloved son. And what is the first thing that the enemy says to him? If you are really the son of God. If you are really the son of God, why are you here? Why are you doing this? Why aren't you in a place of glory? Why aren't you in a place of honor? Where wow. is your power? Where is the demonstration of your might? And I think the enemy's coming after people saying, this dip is defining you. This is who you are. And Sean, I love this message because you're telling them, yes, in a sense, the enemy is right. This dip will define you. It will create character and substance in you because God has a work of glory that he is doing in you so he can do it through you. So thank you yeah. for putting together a book that is practical and specific and speaks to the season. I remember when you and I talked several months ago, you had had a yeah. conversation with your publisher. and You were like, are we sure we should do this? And we yeah. were talking about it. And I told <laughs> you, I said, Sean, are you kidding me? Like, this is the moment for the book to be released. Our world needs yeah. this book right now. And I'm thrilled to hear that it's it's getting into the hands of people, that it's seeing tremendous success. And everyone listening, I just encourage you, go to Amazon. Go wherever you get your books, go to Barnes and Noble, go to Target, tell them they need the book. They need to get the book there and get the book, pick it up, give it to your friends. This is a message that our world needs right now. And I also want to mention, Sean, because you touched on the spirit of fear. My dad, he did a a teaching called Breaking Intimidation, and we actually turned it into a whole course. And that's available, too, for anyone who wants to go through that. You can go to messengercourses.com. And there's a full teaching on breaking intimidation, breaking that spirit of fear. And you can get access to that with your gift of any amount. Once again, that's messengercourses.com. So, Sean, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we close, is there any last thoughts, any words of encouragement you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, I think it's crazy because when people are buying the book in our church, doing book signings and all that, they're buying multiple books. And I'm asking them, I, I wasn't prepared for this. I said, what are you doing? They said, my mom's in a dip, my brother's in a yeah. dip, my boss is in a dip, my cousins. In- we all know somebody who's in a dip. So they're buying multiple. And what a great tool. You know, it's just a tool that God's using to help people get out of the dip. So who do you know that could use this book? I think our young people need it terribly bad because they're going back to college or school. There's no sports. It's, it's a different season. And depression and anxiety is at an all-time high. Everybody is in a dip. So I would just begin to ask God, who should I get some books for to help them in this season? And then I want to encourage you again, your, your intermission is not your finale. Don't quit in the dip because you're going to look back one day and you're going to be able to help some other people with your story. They need to hear how you made it through. And when you're in a dip, you don't want to talk to somebody who hasn't been through it. You want to talk to somebody who was in a dip and made it out. So you are going to be that. God will get the glory and your story will bring hope and healing to somebody else.
0: Yes. And amen. Sean, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. I know you've got your hands full. So it means a lot that you would take
1: some time to jump on the show. I love you, man. Thank you for all your help with the book. Thank you for your friendship. I just honor you and your, your, your parents, and your family, man. Uh, I think what you're doing is absolutely necessary and needed in this season. Thanks, bro. Love you, too.
0: And for everyone listening today, remember, you are a messenger to the people in your world. Your life is a message. So lean into God's grace and watch your world change. Until next time.
1: Thanks for listening to The Messenger Podcast. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review. You can subscribe and share these episodes through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, be sure to check out our other shows in The Messenger Podcast Network, including The Godmother with Lisa Bevere, Conversations with John and Lisa, and Let's Talk About It with Sons and Daughters. You can connect with us through Facebook, Instagram, and through our website at messengerinternational.org. Until next time.